0: Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family. We chose this one. This is episode 101 to live and die in LA from 1985. I'm Joey Lewandowski.
1: I'm Joe Too, And this episode is brought to you by Ferrari, specifically the 308 GTS. Ferrari returned to Pinaferini for the 308 GTB styling, and this two-seat mid-engine coupe sat on a chassis with a wheelbase that was eight inches shorter than the GT4 upon which it was based. Shout out,
0: Ferrari. Wheelbase, wheel width, all words I heard from Mona Lisa Vito. Yes. Well, thank you, Ferrari, for sponsoring us. Ferrari has never sponsored us before, but... Never. Considering the minute, considering the movie... It makes perfect sense.
1: makes perfect sense to me.
0: Joe, we have quite an episode. This is a great movie. We'll talk about it later. But first, extracurricular activities. What have you been up to since Sunday?
1: I am surprised in Pittsburgh. Okay. I will be here quasi-indefinitely, hopefully for like not super long. That's what I've been up to.
0: Do you want to explain why you're in Pittsburgh or not yet?
1: Nah, not yet cool side tidbit story my parents dog they have a dog he's a miniature pincher and his name is turbo so i found that very amusing and i thought that i would tell that story today
0: oh i wonder if there's a movie that we'll ever watch called turbo Hmm.
1: yeah so that was it so i'm here just at home that's what I'm doing.
0: Let's see here. I feel like the like this week and last week have been like very stressful in like many, many ways. Like nothing <laughs> yeah. huge where I'm like, oh, this is the end of the world, but like everything is like pulling me in a million different directions and I've got friends with things going on and I'm yep. just like, oh, this is I'm just I feel for so many people and I feel like I am it's all I get food all over the place, just like my Emotions brain all, over the, all place. over the place. That's what I described yeah.
1: <laughs> That's what I was describing to you earlier.
0: People are like how are you? I'm like, well, nothing's really wrong. It just feels like everything is kind of wrong. Yep. And it's nothing bad. It's just very stressful. And you and I both said about, you know, recording too fast, too forever is a lot of fun. I know we've got some great emails coming up. We got the uh, really good minutes. Uh, we got things to talk about. So I'm just hoping this kind of. Grounds me, sort of, because uh, I need it. I need a Amen. little bit of break.
1: I agree with you, brother. I'm bright. The only real thing
0: that I have watched since last time is I watched the new Spike Lee movie on Netflix, Defy Five Bloods, which is about the group Was of it good? four guys. It is good. It's about the group of four guys going back to Vietnam to. I don't know what the actual plot summary is but they're basically going back there to find their fallen brother who was killed in Vietnam
1: like find his body yes okay I don't
0: know exactly what the plot is. they don't of this like thing think is. he's that... alive
1: somehow they no no like no
0: they're... he was killed they, he, was, yeah. he was with them when he was killed and they buried him and they're going back to basically give him a proper burial or whatever cool. right Yeah. and there's more to it than that and it's a Spike Lee movie so there's a lot of politics there's a lot of current event stuff and like spike lee makes and i don't think this is incorrect or improper to say he like he kind of makes messy movies at times and he inter he brings in like historical facts and historical video footage and photographs and clips and this and that and like it all blends into this kind of like montage of a thing and i think this movie is really really good i think it's one of the better movies this year it's on netflix everybody cool. pretty much can go see it for free there's a little too much going on. I appreciate it all, but it's also like, some of it's like very intense and very kind of graphic and like, it's not a easy to get through movie. It's also two and a half hours long, so you kind of have to be committed to it. Yeah. You know, it it made me, it inspired me to want to go back and like watch more of his earlier movies that I've only seen once, like Do the Right Thing and stuff like that, where it's like, I know I really like that movie, I just haven't seen it Probably since like college.
1: So, feels like now's the time. Tonight, I told you I was going to do it. It's June 17th. Yes, as we're recording it. Yep. As we're recording it. So, it is the anniversary of OJ driving the white Ford Bronco down the highway. I think we probably talked about it here before, but tonight ESPN played one of my favorite 30 for 30s, and they played, like, you know, the history of that day that you put me on, you recommended it, and I think it's super fascinating. So if you're, you know, even if you're, like, a pop culture or, like, just a world news kind of fan. I mean, it mostly focuses on sports, but I think it's very fascinating. We've talked about this, like, that there was a lot of shit that actually happened that day that nobody remembers because the White Ford Bronco was driving down the street. So, yes,
0: this is like an hour long doc. We talked about 30 for 30, I think maybe last episode, the ESPN documentary series. It's like an hour long, there's no narrator, it's all just narrated by like yes. news footage of the day, but on the day. That the Bronco chase was going on. Jack Nicholas, I think, was playing his final round of golf.
1: No, the Arnold R- Palmer. Arnold Uncle Palmer. Arnie. Oh. Yeah, I'm looking, at, I'm looking at this picture
0: right now. Arnold yep. Palmer was playing his final round of professional golf before he went to the senior circuit or whatever. Yep. Uh, the Rangers were playing, where they were having their Stanley Cup parade.
1: Yeah, because they had won two days before. Yeah.
0: Yep. The Knicks were playing, I think, in Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Finals or something? Yep, yeah. Griffey hit his 30th home run in what would be a a strike-shortened season, but, like, they thought that he might break the home run record. The FIFA
1: World Cup kicked off in America, too? Like, Yes, it was the first time America ever hosted the World Cup, yep. It's a crazy. Am I missing anything? There was, like, some political things that were going on, too, that are kind of in the background. There's just a lot of shit that was happening that day that got completely overshadowed.
0: It's all on the same day. And it's crazy because, you know, as the day goes on, they go chronologically and they show the golf teeing off and Griffey getting to the ballpark and the Rangers on their parade and whatever. And then as the hour goes on, it just becomes more and more about the chase because what's crazy, and I remember this, and I don't remember if they showed it, I haven't watched it yet this year. I didn't watch it today yet. But I remember hearing people like watching the Knicks game in bars, right? The game was on full screen. They had the little... Picture and picture of the Bronco, and then like before too long, the picture and picture like they switched, and like yeah. it was just the Bronco was the main thing because people were like, oh, like this is a big game, but like I kind of don't care about this right now. Like what's going on with Juice? Yep, it's a crazy day, man.
1: It is, and it's cool. They just like use like a lot of background footage. Like you see like Bob Costa getting all pissed off that like he doesn't really know what's happening, and he's like trying to be an announcer, like the commentator or whatever. Yep, he's like, are like, how are we gonna do this? Are we doing like picture and picture? Like what are we doing? Because he's like. You know, like, he obviously knows, everybody knows, like, everybody's talking about O.J. right now, and they still have to, like, they can't, like, just stop the game for everybody to watch it, so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It is crazy. I also recommend, I think I've recommended on here before, but the O.J. Made in America documentary.
1: Great. Which is also a
0: 30 for 30, and also the American Crime Story, the FX series, where it's, like, the fictional, not fictionalized retelling, but the dramatic reenactment or whatever, where they reenact over 10 hours the entire O.J., basically from, like, the Bronco chase, I think, to the court case ending essentially right
1: that's the Cuba Gooding one
0: Cuba plays OJ yeah yeah yeah. yeah.
1: that's a really great one also I wanted to ask you have you ever read if if I did it
0: no but I know the cover is just I did it and if is very very small which is a very cool uh marketing technique
1: Rachel and I were going to like a hockey game we were talking about this today we were going to a hockey game maybe we can't decide if it was like Montreal or Ottawa or something and when we do these long drives she usually falls asleep in the car right and that's very sad for me, because, like, it'll be, like, an eight-hour drive, and she'll, like, sleep for six hours, right? Yep. One of the things we discovered is, like, like music, like, will put her to sleep, but, like, if we listen to, like, a good book on tape, she'll stay awake and, like, you know, keep me company while I'm driving this long way. yeah, yeah. So we listened to If I Did It that OJ narrated.
0: Oh, wow. Okay, okay.
1: It is fucking terrifying. I'm not gonna ever tell anybody to listen to the book on tape over reading the book, but, like, hearing him narrate it is eerie. Like, I think it adds, yeah. like, another level of depth to it. It's a really interesting book to hear on it. He, You know, he goes through, like, the whole relationship and, like, talking about everything leading up to it and, like, you know, from when he was in college and high school and, like, you know, his family, everything. But then he gets to, like, the if-I-did-it part and it's just, like, terrifying. Highly recommended to read the book and or possibly listen to the audiobook because it's crazy.
0: I will also recommend, while we're recommending OJ Things, on Comedy Bang Bang, one of my favorite Performers. is this guy Carl Tart, and he plays O.J. on the show maybe once every three months. He's probably done it like three or four times. When he went on the first time, he said to Scott Aukerman, the host, he's like, you can ask me anything you want, I'm gonna be O.J., but just pretend like you don't know about the murders. Just like, <laughs> just... They always say he always kind of approaches like and then like you know something like I remember you and like you were in those movies you're such a great running back and then like my memory just goes blank and I don't remember the 90s but then I remember you coming back and you're on Twitter now and it's just it's so funny because he's so good at he just like he basically when OJ launched a Twitter last year or whatever Carl yeah. Tart was like I need I need to do something with this because like this is crazy this is insanity and so he's played OJ on a handful of episodes and it's just really really fun it's insane but it's just really fun to hear Carl Tart do the OJ thing and it's uh, I highly recommend that every character has a wiki like a, a fandom wiki page. Like you can go to, you can just Google OJ Simpson, Carl Tart. Yeah, he's one a four episodes. He was on the juices loose. He was on two mm-hmm. live episodes and he was on uh, one this year called goose tycoon. Um, it just, it just dumb and it's fun. And I recommend that. I mean, everything that people have done around OJ has been, pretty much like I don't think they've made a bad OJ thing that, at least that I know about
1: I don't think so either
0: anything else of note to say or should we move on to the mailbag I'm ready for the mailbag actually first sorry so sorry to our patrons patreon we have a patreon page here on the show toofast 2 forever.com shout out to Cassie Wilson Jake Freer Ben Milliman Nick Burris Alex Ellen and Justin Kleinman Brian Rodriguez of high school slumber party Ooh. Haley Gerbys Wes Hampton Christian Larson and Jerry Robinson for supporting us at the five dollar level or above thank you all so so very thank
1: much thank you guys we appreciate it.
0: Also, do want to remind people that starting today are available now or whatever. There are three things to vote on at cageclub.me/bracket. Most important to us, most important yes, to you and me, true. is the Too Fast, Too Forever, Fast and Furious Hall of Fame. Yep. So please
1: do that. Uh, if you're listening. We
0: explained all the rules and everything on the hundredth episode, but go to cageclub.me/bracket. We've also posted on our Facebook and our Twitter. We've seen and some. We've seen some people
1: responded. Joey is letting me know that like he sees some. He knows some of you have definitely voted. So yeah,
0: we've got a pretty decent amount of turnout right now. I still want to get more. I mean, we've only had it open for. A day and a half, really. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're doing pretty well there. But that's one thing. Also today, starting Friday, the day this episode comes out, is the Cruise Club Awards, the Cruisies. And I think we've talked about these vaguely before. You and I did the Zephy's over on Zack Attack. Yeah. Mike and I have finished, the Mike Store and I have finished watching all of Cruise's movies. So we've nominated the best and the worst of his filmography. And so starting today... Also at cageclub.me/bracket, you can vote on the best and the worst of Tom Cruise's filmography. So that's out there for you to do. And also, still open—I think it opened on Monday or Tuesday of this week—Brian Rodriguez, who you guys all know from this podcast, but also from High School Slumber Party, has his sophomore year superlatives open, which are um, fun. So- It's got, you know, like, Class Clown, Most Likely to Succeed. Like, everything in the yearbook that you can think that apply to you know your high school graduating class, he's pulled characters and moments and movies and vehicles. Like, he's got Coolest Car in the Parking Lot. There's a couple of cars from American Graffiti. Mm -hmm. So they're all over there, too, at cageclub.me slash bracket. There's just pictures that go to each of these Google forums. So vote early, vote often. They're all fun. There's no pressure. I mean, just, you know, vote on what you think is fun. You know, if you haven't voted on the Hall of Fame, do that. And then while you're over there. But any other things if you feel up to it.
1: I definitely need some brain mush right now, so that's yep. a good way to do it. We
0: have an email address, family at cageclub.me. And for the mailbag today, Joe, we have four emails, including one that Jerry sent in as a picture, it's a car picture. So we're going to okay, save cool. that for later, but we have three thank emails you, to read. First one, also from Jerry, subject line 100.
1: What's up, Jerry? How are you doing, buddy?
0: It says, hey, guys, took a lot of twists and turns and narrow finishes. In parentheses, by the way, Dom is still a better racer than
1: Brian, but
0: congratulations <laughs> on reaching episode 100.
1: Why, thank you, brother.
0: Gonna send in some more car pics since I said in my first email I owe you a 10 second car. Mm. I do miss traveling at my girlfriend Ileana and I normally do at least two trips a year and we were gonna try to do New York around her birthday in September but now that's pushed back and then also adding two more stadium tours off my list. Hashtag 30 stadium tour. Have we talked about this? I feel like we maybe have. I mention it all the stadium? time.
1: Well yeah. you did baseball stadiums. I do hockey ones to go see the penguins so I guess Jerry's on a stadium tour too. That's really cool. Hey man if I could pitch one to you. Fanci Park is one of the most beautiful stadiums in the country. I'm it's telling still you. my
0: favorite. I've been to like twenty two, and that was beautiful. That and then Kansas City are my two favorites so far. Damn. If you're doing baseball,
1: I think Jerry's doing baseball. I think he does baseball, right? Yeah, I think so right. too.
0: And like, I don't want to make it seem like my thing is cooler than your thing, but I feel like what's special about baseball stadiums is they're also wildly different. Like NBA and NHL, like the court Amen. is always the ice is always the same, right? Like, and things are there's different, there's different foods and whatever. I agree
1: with you. You know that I'm a fan of like all. Stadiums. I like football ones. I try to go to a bunch of different ones. I'm fascinated by these large constructions, right? Like, that's a cool part of it to me. I agree with you wholeheartedly. The uniqueness of each baseball stadium not have a regulation, like a completely regulation size, makes them very fascinating to visit.
0: And then football's in the middle where it's like, field is always the same, but the stadium around it can be different. And like, seeing the monstrosity in Dallas for the Cowboys Stadium is crazy. But like, they're also... Way more expensive. Like you can get in a baseball stadium, like almost any baseball stadium, for like ten bucks yep. for the most part. Yep. Like football, if you can get in for like eighty, under seventy-five or eighty. Yeah. It's like oh, good. You, you got lucky, right? So it's you do, it's, did, it's a you did thing. decent.
1: Yeah. Even like in Pittsburgh, where like you know tickets are usually cheaper, cost of living is a little bit cheaper. Like going to a Steelers. Well, Steelers are big, but like going to a Steelers game is like ninety bucks. The thing yeah. is, this is why we say it all the time. They're like, I go to Jets games when I'm you know at yeah. home in Connecticut because. Like, I can get into a Jets game for, like, 50 bucks, right? Right. And it's, like, cool.
0: What's also cool what's also nice about the baseball trip is that you can do, like, football, yeah, there's games on Thursday, yeah, there's games on Monday, sometimes there's other days. But it's way harder, yeah. But it's mostly just Sunday, yeah. So, like, when my friend and I did a couple trips, like, we tried to do, like, three games in a weekend. It was, like, a college football game and then one game on Sunday and one game on Monday. But that's not a lot. Like, when I did it, my... It's
1: nearly impossible. Yeah,
0: when I did my trip in 2012, when you and I went to the Pirates game, like, I saw, like... I want to say seven baseball games in, or like maybe it was like six games in six different cities over seven days. Cause like it's just like I could, I there's mapped out baseball. where I had yeah. to be and when, right? Cause like yeah, there's, there's so baseball. many, in the Midwest especially, you can do, it's a lot easier to hit a lot of those as opposed to like, well, if all goes right, I can maybe do three football games over four days in a weekend, but then, then you get like three days off or whatever, right? So. Also,
1: I think that it's always really cool that like baseball stadiums like cater to entertainment more so than other sports. So there's always like unique foods and promotions and all these other things. So like yep. if you go to a game, you can get like fireworks too, or like a concert and like a T-shirt, and hot dogs are a dollar that day and stuff like that. I'm I'm with you. Yeah.
0: There's Bark in the Park Day where they have dogs. I saw two Bark in the Park days on my trip. So yeah. God. Yeah. Jerry says, but now we're still watching 90 Day Fiance, the newest series. And Joe, too. I have a podcast for you called what? 90 Day Cray Cray. What? You will love it and laugh as much as I do.
1: So, okay, so we spend a lot of time... There's a a group on Facebook that I spend a lot of time in that I had to, like, actually hide from myself. 90 Day Fiance, Savage Edition. And those people are fucking diligent on their shit. And, like, I was just telling, like, Joey and Brian about this in a chat. They'll find... Everything out. So if you if you're a fan of this, like they post memes, they talk mad shit. Sometimes some of the people that are on the show are in the group. They just like roast them. They have all kinds of funny nicknames for all of them. Highly recommended ninety day fiance savage edition if you want to spend like probably four hours a day laughing at the show.
0: Just a real rabbit hole of uh, nonsense. Of
1: chaos, yeah, yep. for sure.
0: So he says we were talking about comic books last episode. He says I love comic books and got a bunch passed down from my grandma, which were mostly Spider Man, the amazing and spectacular series he says I have the original comic book series with the infinity gauntlet and Thanos and got Ileana to read them and spoilers it's really dark he says makes the MCU movies look like kids movies
1: Wow. That's kind of cool. I've never I mean I've obviously never read them so that sounds very yeah. interesting though.
0: Also Jerry, boy do I have a podcast for you. Our guest next up, I think I've mentioned it but Nico Vasillo. He and his friends run a podcast called X is for Podcast. So if you like X-Men, they are diving deep into all sorts of X-Men things over there and it's on our yeah. network. So wherever you're listening to this, you can find that X is for Podcast. If you like the X-Men. If you don't like the X-Men, you can skip it, but Nico's a good dude and that's a fun podcast.
1: And you'll hear him coming up in the next lap too. So.
0: Yep. He says, I finished reading Marvel Zombies comics and again, very dark but enjoyable. He says, sorry going on and on about comics, but I well, love no, them. you're fine, man. I love them and I love reading them. He says, Iliana gets kind of annoyed when I explain stuff to her, LOL. <laughs> no.
1: Well, you can, you can always pitch it to us, brother. We'll listen. Yeah. Yep. No worries. That's the crew to talk to. You're good.
0: He says for the minute talking, you should call it smoke 'em, just because the super is smoking a Ferrari, especially when the super pulls in the restaurant to park the Ferrari just passes before going
1: off screen. Ooh. Yeah. And that's the name of the song, too, right?
0: Oh, Smoke the Ferrari. Yeah, that's the one that we didn't know if it was actually, if it was in there or not. And there's a song that's in this one, too, that I can't like, in the minute we're going to talk about, there's a song that starts, but I can't tell what it is, so maybe we'll know next minute, though I don't know if it's Smoke the Ferrari or not. We'll find out. We'll find out.
1: Probably Smoke the Ferrari, now that I think about it, right? That's what we said. We thought it was.
0: Probably? I would imagine so. But was it? He says, I've been touching up on my cooking during this time and made some good ass black-eyed peas fried Catfish and rice. Ooh, I like the sound of that. Says I'm listening to 100 right now while working, but definitely will have my Blue Moon Belgian White Ale when I'm home. That's all mm. I have for this time. Keep up with another hundred. Be fast and don't be last.
1: If you're not first, you're last, Ricky Bobby.
0: Well, thank you, Jerry, for writing. And then, like I thank said, you, Jerry sent in a car picture. Cool. Um, I'm pretty sure this is a 10-second car. It Looks like a very fast car. Spoilers for a thing mm. that we'll probably talk about in like three months, but we'll get there.
1: Cool, we'll get there eventually.
0: Next email from past guest and patron Christian Larson. Subject line CBs and Jerry Reed. How goes it, Kin?
1: What's up, Christian?
0: Says Smoking the Bandit is one of my all-time favorites, and it was so great to hear you guys discuss it. You briefly brought up C B radios. He says nineteen seventy seven was pretty much the height of the C B radio craze, which coincided with the national interest in and films about Trucking, bikers, and to a lesser extent, custom vans.
1: Mm. Critics
0: generally agree that this was tied into our collective desire for freedom and rebellion in a post-Vietnam, post-Watergate world.
1: Oh, that's true. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. That makes sense.
0: Other notable films in the CB slash trucker genre include Convoy, based on the famous song, White Line Fever is one that we talked about. That was one I think they mentioned in. Maybe that was one they mentioned in Death Proof. Maybe or maybe that was one Yes, that they don't, it sounds That's like it. it sounds list. familiar. Yeah,
1: it sounds familiar. Like it was from Death Proof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds familiar.
0: He says breaker, breaker, CB hustlers, and the great Smoky Roadblock. He says CB lingo is also pretty fascinating. Cops were called Smokies because they were commonly known as bear. LA was known as Shaky Town because of earthquakes. A Buster mm. Brown was a UPS truck. A gumball machine was a cop car with 70s-style roof lights, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera.
1: That probably makes sense for Gumball Rally, right? Maybe, yeah. You're racing against the cops. Gumball okay, Rally. Okay, very cool. Yeah.
0: And Then he includes a pretty comprehensive glossary for you guys to check out. It's at cbgazette.com <laughs> slash slang. That HTML, so we can take a look I at love later.
1: Larson. This is such a very Larson thing to send us, like, a, like a, a gazette of CB radio slang. It's wonderful. Yeah, it's awesome. He says,
0: Jerry Reed, who plays Snowman, was also a pretty accomplished musician, as you probably noticed. He was yes. considered one of the best country guitarists of all time, and was both a session musician and songwriter for many stars of the 50s and 60s. He eventually broke out with his hit Amos Moses, as well as Guitar Man, which he originally wrote for Elvis. She got the gold mine, I got the shaft, and of course, Eastbound and Down. One of my favorites of his is Lord Mr. Ford, a song written during the gas crisis which lamented the invention of the automobile... Obviously a very uncommon theme for a country song. Yeah. If you dig old school country music, his stuff is some of the best and definitely worth checking
1: out. I need to listen to more of it. I would love Eastbound and Down, and we listen to that a lot. But, like, I need to, like, dig into Joe Reed. So, like, I'll take your recommendation, Larson, and run with it. Next time I get drunk and I'm playing honky-tonk classics, as I was talking to Justin Kleiman about, Mm -hmm. I'll be listening to more Joe Reed. Lord,
0: Mr. Ford. He said, that's all for now. I can't wait to get started on our own Fast and Furious adventure together. That's a 10-7 boys, threes and eights threes, and eights. That means sign off. Best wishes. Cool. Oh, nice. And then a uh, ten-seven out of service, leaving the air. So he says basically goodbye. Oh, best wishes. Look at
1: that's that. That's really cool. That. You translated it too. That's cute. I liked it.
0: There's a lot of there's a lot of slang on this page. You have to dig deep into this. Okay. Our final email tonight is from Ben Milliman. Subject line, a little bit of everything. Things all over the place? I guess so. We'll see. Hey, guys. I'm catching up again, so this email is pretty much going to be things that have happened and thoughts it might jump around. First off, congrats on the 100th episode. I can't believe it's been that many already.
1: Same, brother definitely yeah. same yeah
0: i'm listening to the hundredth now and one thing i want to comment on is about the icy water i don't remember who but someone sent an email in i think it was justin and said that you pass out pretty quick in icy water and it wouldn't be as painful i disagree yes. the hike we did that had the walk across the river was fed directly from a glacier that water was so cold that within a couple seconds your legs your legs and feet felt like you had burning needles stabbing them all over it hurt just to be standing Yes, they had safety signs on both sides of the river telling you to make sure you had a change of clothes right
1: away to warm up immediately, or else you could get hypothermia. It was not fun. But Ben, the the thing is, is that like, if it's really, really cold and you like completely submerge yourself, I feel like it would be almost instantaneous, right? It maybe it's more
0: painful, but for less time.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay.
0: Okay. I mean, also, I'm sure getting lit on fire is not not pain. I don't know. Yeah. It, they both suck. That's what the that's the point. That's, of the question.
1: That's the whole question. Yeah.
0: <laughs> On a different note, Lenny was up at like three a.m. one morning feeding Lila. I woke up and asked if Lila was okay, and Lenny said, "Yes, yeah, she just got milk everywhere." So my tired <laughs> brain thought to ask, "So there's milk all over the place?" She said, "Yes," and I laughed a little to myself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't want to tell that to your newly newly born you know what I mean?
0: Like- God bless Linny for just like, you know, just like she did. I, we I'm laughed sure she was exhausted, brother. but like, is that a Fast and Furious joke? And like, yeah, yeah. yeah like, I'm going to fucking kill you. God damn it, Ben. <laughs> but I, I laughed. can't seem to remember everything I wanted to write in about. LOL, I've been a bit tired between starting a new job and the baby. If I think of something else, I'll send another email later on. Have a good one and stay safe. Also, Ben sent us a picture of his one wheeler, one wheelie, one wheel. Yeah, he put uh, a sticker, put the sticker on it on there, which is awesome.
1: We shared it. Yeah, that's really cool, man. And it's like it's it's electronic, too. Did you see that? It's like it's like powered.
0: There's at least one guy in my neighborhood that has it. And he's always like skating around. He was on his one wheel holding a pizza in a box. I was just like, oh, OK, like that's just like Damn. the coolest like delivery. I mean, I think it was just I don't think he works the pizzeria. I think he's just getting it. But like, I just love that he was like out essentially on the skateboard, but just like an automated powered engine motorized wheel. That was very cool. That's all the email for today. Family at cageclub.me if you want to write in for next time. Yes, please. On the streets, is there anything you've seen in the news? I don't think I have any news, Fast and Furious news. There's no new Rock the Vote news. Anything Fast and Furious?
1: Jason Dickinson sent us this thing, and I had to repost it. I gave you as much credit as I could, brother. I didn't know if you wanted me to tag your Facebook page or not, so I always err on the side of caution and just say, thank you, Jason. But he sent us this cool thing that was like all the Fast and Furious movies, and you can pick three. I know a lot of us were talking about it. It's a hard decision. So we posted that on Facebook, and I thought that was very interesting, and it was cool to hear your guys' answers and to see who kind of agreed with me, who picked something different. You know, we always do rankings, which we think are very hard, but pick three, like Desert Island, pick only three of them is very, very difficult. So um, go check that out if you want to. That's not like really news, but I thought that was something interesting to think
0: about. He also let us know that uh, I think this week as we're recording, is the anniversary the I guess it'd be the 14th anniversary of Tokyo Drift, and the next week I think is the 19th anniversary of the first one. It feels like all these movies come out, you know, late spring, early summer, and where yeah. we're in right now. And so, you know, celebrating all these on his YouTube channel
1: makes sense. That's really cool.
0: All right. So the only thing left to do is the Fast and Furious Minute. Minute 68. I got a couple different titles. I don't know. I think this one could just be called Neptune's Net because I feel like the next minute or two that we spend here are going to have more iconic quotes that we could use. So we could just use a Neptune's Net. We could call it people all over the place. We could call it bikini tops all over the place. A lot of different possibilities here. Anything that stands out to you as a minute title for Minute 68.
1: I only don't like Neptune's Net because I gave you this hint and I'm going to do this kind of backwards today.
0: Trivia question coming up. I get the it. The trivia
1: it. question I had. I said to you, I have a perfect, semi difficult, semi easy. Trivia question, and I think the trivia question should be, where do Brian and Dom go to get shrimp? Because they don't really say it, but we see it. Sure, it's, okay. It's something that we talk about a lot, but is also, and it's also known, but also not known, you know what I mean? So, like, I think it should be called, like, we should have a question about Neptune's Net. So, in that case, because we're talking about the title now, we probably should Well, we could
0: call it. this one, to sort of go back to what Jerry said, we could call this one Smoked the Ferrari.
1: Ooh.
0: Like, past tense, because he won the race. Smoked Ferrari. Smoked Ferrari. Ooh, yeah. Okay. Like
1: a little smoked smoked Ferrari. You like yeah. that?
0: Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Minute 68, smoked Ferrari.
1: Fun. Come on. Obviously something's off. Look, I have my good days and I have my bad days just like anybody else.
0: So in this minute, Brian continues his race against the Ferrari, swerving across all four lanes of traffic. He smokes his opponent. Mm-hmm. Brian and Dom then pull into Neptune's net, which is loaded with beachgoers, and then inside Neptune's net, Dom grills Brian on what's going on a conversation that will continue more in depth the next minute or two or three or however long it lasts. You kind of just get the beginning here. He's just basically like, they just sit down, like they just
1: sit down. He says like a couple words to them.
0: I love seeing in the car as they race down the hill or whatever, down the PCH or up the PCH, where Dom is, I guess it's going up the PCH because the beach is on their left. So they're going north. True. Dom looks over like he's like holding on for dear life. He basically like to me, it's like, Who are you, and what did you do with the buster?
1: Yeah, or just, like, he feels uncomfortable that he's driving because he knows he's a buster.
0: Also, you did mention last minute when, you know, are you ready for this jumpy? Like, they know that Brian has a lead foot, so maybe he's worried. Maybe this
1: is the buster, right? To me, it looked like he was more like, oh, shit, here comes the buster again. I'm kind of, like, nervous now that I don't have control of this vehicle because he's kind of off-kilter. He's kind of like a, a loose cannon. We don't know what he's actually going to do to, like, beat this guy to impress me, and I feel in fear of my life.
0: Yeah. There are so many people outside Neptune's net. There's so so at least fucking six people. across the street, 24 outside Neptune's net in that parking lot alone, which is crazy. Oh, yeah. But what I thought was cool, and we're going to see more maybe next minute, is that at least two people who are outside follow them in and sit inside. There's a guy, there's a woman in a bikini and a guy in like Surf pants? I don't know how better to describe it. It's like the wetsuit kind board of shorts. board shorts. Okay, he's in board shorts, and they're well,
1: board shorts are kind of baggy, so maybe not that. No, maybe it's, it's a...
0: like it's like a scuba suit, but just the bottom half.
1: A surf, like a surfing suit, because the surfing ones don't go like all like you can get ones that are all the way down, but like they can also go up to your knee, you know.
0: So surf pants look like when I just googled surf pants, they're like sweatpants, huh? That's weird. They they might just be called like scuba suit pants, because that I mean that may not be exactly what he's wearing, but like googling that scuba pants maybe he's okay. wearing that like he's, he doesn't have a shirt on he's got those pants on they're following dom and brian in and then when we cut inside they're eating in the foreground like dom yes. is facing brian there's people behind dom and there's two tables closer to the camera and they're at one i was like oh that's pretty cool i was trying to figure out like right before we started i was like let me give one more watch because i was trying to see if the other tables of just like generic blonde women we could find outside And like as far as like can tell they're not. They might have just already been eating, but I thought it was cool that like not only do Dom and Brian go in, but we also have these other two people go in too. That's very cool. So what did you notice? There's a lot going on outside, but we don't spend a ton of time out there. There's just a lot of people, no. cars all over the place. What's going on outside?
1: I got at least all the cars that they like pass when they're racing. There's so many in front of Neptunes and they're not on car IMDB, and it just like felt very daunting right now. So yep. I, the cool thing that I noticed that I wanted to talk to you about, we see Brian in the Ferrari racing. We see a sign that says limit it's 55
0: just like sammy hagar brian can't drive 55 55. oh
1: so good we see a clip of like brian's tack kind of but we never see a speedometer and i thought that that was like a really interesting choice
0: well we have the history of like that them like fucking up with the, with the tachometer right like the speedometer like you're just like oh, having yeah. like, two different ones right so yeah maybe and like
1: the ones that were just like pictures you know and stuff yeah. like that yeah. and like the speed doesn't change but like this is your shot to be like oh they're going like 110 right like they blow by the two slower cars it's a movie shot you could have made like the two slower cars go like Five and them go, like, 20. And it would have looked the same exact thing if you'd have been like, oh, we're doing 120. You know? So, like, I'm like, why yeah. didn't you choose to show the speedometer here? It felt like a missed opportunity for me.
0: I get it. I agree. I agree. Anything else? I mean, the music. So I, I mentioned there's a song that Starts that I can't tell what it is. Superstar continues, then ends the song by Saliva. But anything else of note in this minute, or do you want to get the, uh, the wording of the questions, the wording and the answers?
1: I got the number on front of Neptune's net is 42505.
0: That's like the street address?
1: I think so. I saw it like on, during the minute, and let me see what it says on. I obviously link to Neptune's Net in the fresh fish
0: chowder and beer picnic site. Yes. Yeah, forty two five zero five California Route Highway One, yeah. Malibu, California nine zero two six five.
1: So it's like written like right on the front top of the door too. So that's oh, that
0: actually, cool. what I do want to say. Remember we were talking about. Remember there were like a bunch of movies that are filmed here. Yeah. Point Break. Point Break. So in film and television... Oh, right. So one of Tom Cruise's very earliest movies, Losing It, 1983, they have an epic food fight at Neptune's Net, according to Wikipedia, which I do remember that. Okay. Former owner Dolly Shea Shea says, two years later, I was cleaning up the mess. Oh,
1: so there's food all over the place, literally.
0: Point Break, Johnny Utah approaches Tyler, who works at the restaurant in the film and concocts a story about his parents dying in order to have her teach him surfing and go undercover... Yep. Then obviously in this movie they eat lunch at the restaurant after test driving the newly built Toyota Supra. Mm-hmm. Then in the TV show *The Hills*, Kristen Cavallari, my girl Krist, takes her first motorcycle ride to eat at the restaurant. Whew! Damn. Gossip Girl, in an episode titled *Valley Girls*, Lily, whoever Lily is, gets kicked out of boarding school and runs away to L.A. She makes a telephone call in front of Neptune's Net before heading back on the P.C.H. Oh. In *People Like Us*, a movie with Chris Pine and Elizabeth Banks and Michael Hall D'Addario. Uh, they have lunch there. We talked about on something, maybe this podcast, probably this podcast, that in Iron Man three, Tony has like a nervous breakdown. He's that's that's where he like takes off from the restaurant to like then he lands in Tennessee. Like his suit malfunctions, but like he launches from Neptune's net. Oh, that's and then cool. it's also in GTA five too. An identical Damn. structure, the restaurant's building is present in the fictional state of San Andreas. Which is based on California. Very cool. Obviously, this movie takes a lot from Point Break, and so it's very cool that it takes this too. But you know, even before that, the Tom Cruise vehicle losing it, which is one of Tom Cruise's worst movies. And again, it's not bad. It's just he's so stacked. But yeah. So the trivia question is this: wording good or because I I might want to depending on what the next minute holds. We could say what food are they eating? I don't know if we want easy. What I want to leave that opportunity open for us yes. if we want it. That's so, fair. What restaurant do Dom and Brian stop at to get food after the race versus the Ferrari?
1: This is totally. This is totally fine.
0: Three other answers. So obviously we have Neptune's net.
1: Poseidon's net.
0: Or Poseidon's pitchfork. Oh, I
1: like that. That's a good one.
0: a nice alliteration.
1: I want Bubba Gump Shrimp Factory.
0: Bubba Gump Shrimp Co. Okay. Yep.
1: And one more.
0: I like the, is there another alliteration that we could do? Mermaid's something? What's a mer? What's an M?
1: Mermaid Market?
0: Mermaid's Market. Yep, I was just thinking of that. Perfect. Cool. So what restaurant do Dom and Brian stop at to get food after the race versus the Ferrari?
1: I think that my California friends will get it just based on like them being from California.
0: Do they look like they eat shrimp at Neptune's Net?
1: In the Valley? <laughs> yeah.
0: Any other thoughts about this minute or anything we talked about? Or Do you want to take a break and talk about "To Live and Die in LA"? Another, I mean, that the only the only way that to live spoilers. I like that movie. The only way that movie could have been better is if they went to Neptune's net. Yeah,
1: pretty much. I'm excited to, for you guys to hear the episode because it was fun and we really liked that movie. So
0: cool. So let's take a break. Let's hear another word from Ferrari and uh, come back and talk about "To Live and Die in LA."
1: Episode 101, To Live and Die in L.A. This episode is brought to you by Ferrari. What can be conceived can be created. Ferrari.
0: Shout out Ferrari. You know, Ferrari in the minute. Ferrari in this movie. Yeah. Now this movie, I don't know if you know, do you know the name William Friedkin, the director of this movie? Do you, are you familiar with nope, that name?
1: No, not at all.
0: So he directed one of the greatest car chases scenes of all time in The French Connection,
1: okay, okay. which we did not
0: do this this lap, but we will do in a future lap. Yeah. He also directed a little film called The Exorcist.
1: Oh, really? Yes. Oh, I love The Exorcist. Do you know my Exorcist story? I don't think I do. Rachel's born and raised outside of D.C., and if you drive mm-hmm. from her house to D.C., like you're going into town, you have to pass the steps of The Exorcist, and she and her mom mention it like every time. We drive by there. So it's like one of those like jokes like and then like now I point out and be like, Oh look, those are the Exorcist steps. Like, Yeah, how did you know? Like that's what it is. Cool. Cool. We see them every like we see them all the time. So
0: Yeah. You had never seen this movie before, right? Is that correct?
1: No, I've never seen this movie. Have you? I had not either. Okay.
0: What did you before we get into the plot, because there's I want to know your, your opinions of the movie, and then I want to do the plot, and then I want to say my opinions, and then trivia that changed my opinions, which is a very convoluted way, but I think, I mean, that's just how I do things. So what did you think of the movie? Before we talk about what the movie is, anything else, what did you think of To Live and Die in L.A.?
1: I really enjoyed it. The best way to describe my enjoyment of it is to explain this little tidbit. When we finished watching it, I looked at Rachel and I said, one of my dreams is to have a dive bar, right? Mm-hmm. Like a shitty dive bar, beers and shots. And it's just a place you would hang out, right? Like small dive bar. And I always try to think of things I would play on television during the day at a dive bar. And I said I would definitely slot this movie in to be like on like in the lineup of daytime drinking movies that I would be playing on the bar on one television.
0: Wait, have I told you that when I was living in Austin there was this bar slash bowling alley slash karaoke place called the good night and so in the front it was like there's like a coat check and they had like a restaurant like kind of like a brunchy spot but they had food like dinner food too it was a really cool okay. bar and then in the back there was bowling that i think was free on the weekends or something there's certain times where it was free and then you just paid for drinks and food and whatever and then there was okay. karaoke section there were like board games you could get out like it was a very cool like hang out like Imagine, like, Austin. It's Austin, right? Like, it's just... Yeah. We were there at, like, six thirty one night, having dinner, having drinks, whatever, gonna go play gonna go bowl in the back, and they fire up on Netflix, The Wolf of Wall Street, and, like, a minute into that movie... Leo does a line of coke out of Stripper's Asshole and like, I'm like, yeah. it's 6.30 and there's families around I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? This movie, I think it's a different, like the, the vibe, the aesthetic of your dive bar is different but this is kind of to a certain extent like a family environment and then yes. the show The Wolf of Wall Street uncensored, I'm just like, Hey man, like Mazel to you. Like that is that is bold because like in this movie we get I think the first movie in you know it, I
1: have it I have it in my notes. It took yep, it ahead. took till the
0: second hundred episodes that we finally see an erect penis. Like a it full took a penis. long time. The fact that it's in a Willem Dafoe movie and it's not Willem Dafoe hanging dong is maybe the craziest thing about this movie. Because <laughs> like yeah, this is getting way off topic. But so Willem Dafoe was in a movie called Antichrist, which is directed by Lars von Trier. In that movie, there is graphic, like, penetrative sex. Like, they show that. They apparently didn't show Willem Dafoe and Charlotte Gainsbourg having sex because, like, Willem Dafoe's penis is too big. And, like, Lars von Trier said it would be distracting to the audience if they saw this. They just showed, like, they had, like, basically, like, a sex stunt double or body double or whatever. (laughs) But, like, yeah, Willem Dafoe kind of known for being, like, this like creepy crazy villain like hanging dong in movies to have an erect penis in this movie and for Willem Dafoe to be in the movie and for it to not be him but
1: instead the guy from CSI it's like whoa, whoa okay okay wait you said the guy from CSI but at what I really think you meant was the guy from the skulls oh duh sure.
0: who is he in the skulls
1: he's the father's brother
0: Okay. But like, oh. Skull's
1: brother, remember? I don't. Yes. So this is a little Fast and the Furious connection here. Yeah. Very, very Because he smart. was in a movie with. Paul Walker. He's the one who, like, tells him, remember, he tells him, like, how to get out of it, he gives him the book, we live by the book, we die by the book, and hands him the book, He's he the governor or something. Yes. Yeah, that's yes. him. Does that kind of what it feels like, right? Like, if I had, like, a dive bar, it would only be adults, okay? Yes. Because right? it's a, a dive bar. It wouldn't be, like, children and bowling. But if I had a dive bar, this is, like, this would go into my classic car movie playlist that I would have, and, like, I would just be, like, playing that during the day when you have, like, an empty-ish bar, right? There's, like, probably, like, six people there or something, I'm imagining, my dive bar, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, like, this is just on, and it just, like, plays, like, this one, Smokey and the Bandit, and, like, you know, like, we cut in the comedy ones, but also have, like, some serious ones, and just plays these on loop.
0: I'm imagining the dive bar is the bar that's in this movie where, like, the lead guy like slams the door open as he like leaves you're just like that's your bar and you're just like the you're the woman bartender just like another guy just getting angry just like putting all these beer bottles away like i'm, yeah. I'm picturing that yeah. as your bar from this movie
1: yeah i want it to be like really sticky a nice layer of filth and like you know chips hanging from the side and playing movies like this Food all over the place food all over the place and movies like this on like a tuesday afternoon you know and like three old drunks that are just like god damn it <laughs> like or, like, did you ever see this movie before? And you're like, yeah, I've seen this movie before.
0: Everything I've read about this is that, like, it's a criminally underseen movie. Now, this was on a list of, like, best car chases, and we will talk about it. Uh, yep. The YouTube clip for this car chase is 8 minutes and 58 seconds. Uh, so it's another sizable, lengthy car chase. Mm-hmm. The movie is about two Secret Service agents investigating a counterfeiter who was played by Willem Dafoe three years before... Lethal Weapon. Three years before Murtaugh says, I'm getting too old for this shit, that I'm retiring in two or three days, the other guy in this movie, Jim Hart, played by Michael Green, two days from retirement, investigating this counterfeiting warehouse alone is shot and killed by Willem Dafoe and his like his right-hand man, essentially, right? Yeah. And yep. so then the lead of the movie, William Peterson, a.k.a. the uncle from the Skulls, playing Richard Chance in this movie, gets assigned a new partner, and he will stop at nothing to bring down the counterfeiter, to stop Willem Dafoe, to, you know, avenge, avenge. his fallen partner.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Basically, as the movie goes on, things go from... Bad to worse like it starts in a bad place and then it gets way worse and we'll talk about that <laughs> i loved this movie and so here's some stuff that made me love it even more okay okay cool the reason i found this this blog post which i loved is because at the end of the car chase which we will talk about there is a uh, a radio reporter saying quote do you remember what she says no so there's this nine minute chase and it's chaos and at the end yeah. We hear like a radio report, like, you know, somebody in a helicopter or whatever, just somebody reporting on the traffic. And she just says, there's a minor tie up on the highway in California, <laughs> you, know, you know, not too big, but like people have been killed, you know, the cars have been overturned, yeah. a truck jackknife. we'll talk about all that. But like, I'm like, that is amazing. So I Googled to live and die in LA minor tie up, and I found this piece on Haggerty.com. Between this and the trivia from IMDb, here's some stuff about this that like, I think if you like this, I don't, I don't know that anybody's going to think this is anything other than awesome, unless you hated this movie, but the Haggerty.com piece says that even though William Friedkin chose not to use the typical landmarks of L.A., to live and die in L.A. feels like the most L.A. movie ever made. It's a city of okay. oil refineries, beer joints, burger stands, topless bars, airports and train stations, viewed through the lens of Robbie Mueller's sun-soaked cinematography. In the director's commentary, Friedkin explains, quote, the entire film is about counterfeit relationships, not just counterfeit money. And it's a mm-hmm. metaphor for a lot of what I've seen in the years that I've been at work in Los Angeles, and I'm just like, "Woof!" Like that's just—he's telling it like it is. This is serious business. Yeah. So then, on IMDb trivia is that despite the best efforts, counterfeit bills they made in this movie got into circulation. The bills' God. quality was very, very good, but the seal on the counterfeits used the letter X, which is not a valid seal for the type of money that they're using. Secret Service was picking up X bills for quite a while after filming wrapped. So I'm like, okay. That's interesting. That's a fun fact. But what's crazier, what makes that even crazier, is that when Willem Dafoe is printing money, the film crew was actually creating counterfeit bills. They had a convicted counterfeiter on set showing them how it's done. They were filming in the desert, and Willem Dafoe would say that every time a helicopter flew over the building, they were sure it was the police coming to arrest them all for
1: breaking the law. Yeah, because you're making counterfeit money. Yeah.
0: Freakin said, quote, when the film came out, There were news stories about people trying to make counterfeit money about seeing the step-by-step process in our film. I took some of the 20s, put them in my wallet, and spent them in restaurants, shoeshine parlors, and elsewhere. They were that good. So, like, the director who counterfeited money was then spending that counterfeit money on actual goods and services in the real world.
1: And is on tape, like, documented making them, right? Like, yeah, that's crazy.
0: I think in the Haggerty.com piece, they were talking about how, like, the sexiest scene in this movie is not the sex scenes, which there are a lot of sex scenes. There's a lot of nudity in this. The sexiest scene is him making that money. Like, there is something amazing about him from start to finish, like, step by Mm -hmm. step, making these bills, like, every step of the process. Like, it's like a 10-minute montage. And it's um i i don't know if you if it tickled you the way that it's but like i like this is one of my favorite scenes i've seen in any movie in a long long time
1: yeah i can agree that like i was watching it and i was like holy shit because you know usually you get like the oh we did counterfeiting or like here's the counterfeit bills or we get the midnight run like can you do the litmus yes whatever yes. reduction the litmus or
0: configuration
1: yep this is like they show you exactly how they're going to do the counterfeiting and they do it and the back out the background story makes it even cooler i really did like this yeah
0: so they have him you know like scanning the bills and then creating a negative of the bills and cutting out the things and then getting the paint dyed like the two or three different times you print the money and then creating the same serial numbers that they're going to print they're going to laser print on each bill and then like cutting the bills and then putting them in a clothes dryer with some Mm -hmm. clothes but also poker chips to like give them kind of like a worn feel like it's literally soup to nuts how to make counterfeit money and done to like this great incredibly 80s like Pulsing, synthy score that I was like this is just like tense in a way oh this is showing better than like like in in, you know in movie making you want to show don't tell right like you want to show somebody doing something as opposed to like oh yeah he's a great counterfeiter it's like no this guy knows what he's doing and the way that they're showing and the way that they're putting it on screen it's like holy shit like he's great at what he does
1: yeah it's awesome
0: I also loved later in the movie where he's like Trying to negotiate because there's also like a baby John Turturro in this movie. Like, no one was anybody in this movie. Like, they were all like, they had a, like no budget for this movie. And William Freakin was like, I'm just gonna, I, I know William Peterson. Like, I think he's gonna be right for the role. He auditioned him. He's like, Yeah, you got the part if you want it. And then William Peterson knew John Pankow, who plays his new partner. And then, like, okay, he's like, You think you should check out my friend? Freakin auditioned him. He's like, Yeah, you got the part if you want it. Like, he just, like these are the guys, we're doing nothing. Like, Willem Dafoe was not a known person. I don't know that John Turturro was really known. They all went on to become really successful, but I like the scene later that after Totoro goes in jail, and, like, they think he might rat, and, like, Mm -hmm. Willem Dafoe goes to his friend who's, like, trying to, he's gonna, like, basically hire or have his guys inside fuck up or kill John Totoro. Yeah, they want to shank him. It doesn't work, but, like, he's, they're negotiating for the counterfeit money, and he's like, what do you care whether you give me 50k or 75k or 100k? He's like, it's not money, like, it's, it's all just, like, it's nonsense You like, I thought that was a very fascinating like look inside the, the mind of a criminal kind of it's like it doesn't it's it's just it's more paper he's like it just says it to you like it's just paper to you like it doesn't it's not money you're not actually like negotiating it's just like a little bit more printing it's not more work <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so before we talk about the car chase we have more trivia about the car chase what's what are some fast connections that you found here because I found a few but not a ton I was more I found there was a definitely bunch. one where I was just like uh enjoying the movie trying to enjoy the movie as opposed to just taking too many notes what would you find fast connection wise
1: because this is one that I really like I said I want to watch it in the background again, right? Like, yeah. I want to watch it, like, I want to have it, like, playing in the background. It, like, suited the mood of, like, a warm day with no lights on in the house kind of feel. But it starts out, they're running on r- rooftops in L.A. Ooh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which we've seen Brian do a million times over. Yep. He's a cop, obviously. Brian's a cop, right?
0: Also, Brian is not corrupt. To, I don't think to any extent. Like, he lets Dom go, but there's, you know, the moral ambiguity there. This yeah. guy is, like, do whatever it takes to get the job done. Like, it's, it's sketchy, but, like, they're both... Very bad at their job. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. in in that they are great at their job, that they get the stuff done, the way that they get there, like, they're bad. It's just like, oh, boy.
1: Yeah, like, oh, I agree. Like, when he's like, he's like, well, what are we going to do? And he's like, we got lucky. They just shot out the window. We can get this replaced and we can have it back before they even notice it got shot. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> bro. Like yeah. no, we almost died. Yeah. <laughs> like Yeah. And he's like, "Oh, look at how lucky we got. Like we could hide this from the police." And like if we won't get in trouble. And he's yeah. like, "What the fuck, man?" Yep. Something that I think probably is like a byproduct of 9/11. We see a suicide bomber in this, mm-hmm. and we never really see like a suicide bomber in Fast and the Furious, which I felt was kind of interesting. Like nobody ever threatens to bring the whole not like not even in the like, you know, bomb strapped to chest situation i'm talking about like cypher doesn't ever threaten to like crash the plane and kill everyone in it right which i find like very interesting but i think that that has to be like a a more censorship type of thing than it is like a reality thing. But I I was thinking about this as I saw that. I was like, wow, that's interesting that, like, we never see the, like, we'll bring everyone down together type situation going on in the Fast and the Furious.
0: I feel like in the 80s and 90s, it was just kind of a trope to either have the suicide bomber or just a guy like in Face-Off where Nicolas Cage, before they do the Face-Off switch, right, where he has the bomb that's going to blow up, like, six city blocks or whatever in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. I feel like bombs were just, like, a big thing in the 80s and 90s. And then whether it's 9-11 or just... Or
1: bombs in... Like, people actually having bombs, yeah.
0: Bombs didn't go away from movies, but they kind of fell into movies about, like, the Iraq War and stuff, right? Where it's, like, the people overseas actually dealing with this stuff face-to-face. It's not, like, a crazy terrorist. Now, I think it's also the fact that, like, cybercrime has risen, and the fact that Cypher can do more damage with a computer than she could ever with a bomb. That's probably part of it, too. But you're right. Like, if, if it's a little weird that we don't have it. But at the same time, it kind of makes sense that we don't have
1: it. Mm-hmm. That's what I think so, too.
0: I also do want to say about that opening scene with the terrorist, you were saying that normally we don't see the counterfeiting. It's just like, oh, here's the counterfeit money. What well, this movie doesn't show you is kind of the inverse of it. Like, they have the guy at the beginning of this movie like he's trying to suicide bomb to he's a martyr he's trying to like make a statement or whatever yeah and his partner because i knew the movie like we had read the plot summary that i knew that the partner died because like that was like the motivating factor but i didn't know when he died and we see yeah, the I guy he
1: died there i thought he was gonna die there
0: because he like throws the martyr the bomber off the roof of the building and the bomb explodes seemingly instantly the next scene is the two of them sitting by sitting by each other and william peterson just like hey, let's go get drunk and just forget about this.
1: That's, oh, dude, I love these, I love these, like, lines in the movie. This movie had, like, a lot of great lines. And he says, let's go play some cards and get drunk. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, I love that so much.
0: Like, they apprehend someone, they arrest someone, they do a thing, like, they advance the case, and we just don't see any of the paperwork. It's just like we don't see them bringing them in. We don't see them like arresting the guy. It's just like, okay, we got the guy, next thing. And like it's interesting. Even to, to show... your point,
1: he comes in and he says like I don't want this partner. He's like, we'll do the paperwork and he's like, ah fuck it. Yeah. He just like leaves. Yeah.
0: And so maybe it's just a character trait which is which would fit, but it's also like they're gonna spend ten minutes on the counterfeiting, which is something we don't see. And then the thing that we even like if it's not a movie about the paperwork, right? But like you'll always see them like go to the precinct and be like, all right, book him Dano or whatever. You know what I mean just like we yeah. don't see that even. It's just like okay, we know that Taturo is like caught and we see him later <laughs> (laughs) in jail, we can fill in the pieces. Like, it's like a fascinating what they choose to show and what they don't choose to show.
1: I agree. Something that's not a fast-nexion, but it's a Joe-nexion. Did you catch it? Maybe. He's wearing a Steelers jersey.
0: I thought that might be one, but there's no, like, it's just the white with the yellow stripes, right? Like, there's no symbol, there's no name or anything. Like, it's not the logo, it's just
1: like a... Yeah, but that's like the 80s Steelers jerseys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so he's wearing a Mike Webster jersey, which is really cool. Well, Mike Webster was 53, a Steeler at the time, and they were winning at the time this movie came out. So, definitely makes sense, but it doesn't have his name on the back of it, true. So I thought that was really, really cool. Yep. And he wears it in, like, two different scenes, too. He's, like, wearing it, like, at the bar when he goes... Apparently, he really likes to cliff dive.
0: I think that was based on a bet. So they're like, I was, the little thing about trivia is that, like, this movie is based on a book that was written by a guy who I think worked for the LAPD, I think. One of the guys that's up on the bridge watching him bungee jump, when he goes back up, he's like, you all owe me money. He's like, you especially owe me money. And the guy, he's saying like, you especially or whatever, that's the guy who wrote the book. He's just like an extra in the scene. But apparently, like, he's just like an oh. adrenaline junkie, but like, he's also doing it to make money or whatever. Like, but yeah.
1: Oh, because that's when. that, so then when he comes into the bar and he says like, I'm going to have drinks and mine are all free. Like, I think so, I thought yeah. that was like a very weird line, yeah. but now that that makes sense. I just missed the whole betting part. Okay, cool.
0: The trivia on might have been more explicit about it than it actually was in the movie because the movie, like, doesn't, it, it really doesn't hold your hand. There's so many twists and turns here. Yeah. And I, it's the kind of movie that I want to watch again because, like, I actually, another one where I rented and then I bought it again, like, they have a Shout Factory. So, like, Shout Factory is, like, there's Criterion. Which is like the yes. you know the film, and then there is Vinegar Syndrome, which is like the criterion for trash. And there's like Shout Factory, yes. which is kind of in the middle. And they do like they did Wild at Heart, which is a Nicolas Cage movie, like maybe my fa- favorite Nicolas Cage movie. That also has Willem Dafoe. Valley Girl, which is another Nicolas Cage movie. But they've done a bunch of things that are kind of like more mainstream, but like kind of under the radar, cool stuff. But they did this movie. They did Midnight Run, like these movies that are just oh, cool. great movies that we keep finding ourselves in these pockets of like movies that we kind of should have seen or heard were good, but nobody is, you know what I mean? Like, those kind of things, yeah. like, they bring those. So, like, it was sold out on Amazon, but, like, I went on Shout Factory, and, like, they had it in stock. I was like, I want to buy because I don't want to not be able to own this. Like, it's another one where I'm like, the now that I know where the twists and turns are, I think I'm going to like it way more the I time. think it's going
1: to be a much more enjoyable movie a second watch through. I agree with you.
0: Also, probably more depressing considering where everything winds up, but we'll get there.
1: Yes, I liked that he w- had disdain for his partner. It felt very uh, Gallo twelve, Gallo twenty four to mm, me.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, for did sure. Did you like
1: that too? I did because he's like, this guy sucks or whatever, you know, and like, I, I, I'm better working
0: alone. Actually, in that regard, before we go further, I want to ask you. I think that we're too far into the franchise to have this happen, but I was thinking about how powerful it would be especially would help our thing if like at the start of nine say brian was still around because it feels just like brian and roman this would work best on but like, they go on a job right and like yeah three minutes or five minutes into the movie roman gets killed It's like, oh shit, like, it's different because this is, that's a franchise versus like this movie or whatever, but like, you know, the guy two days away from retirement, like, you know, this good guy that's beloved that, you know, his partner loves or whatever. Yeah. And then he gets murdered like at the start of the movie. And then that leads them on a one man, you know, cause of vengeance and justice and whatever, right? Like, we've never had anything like that, but I think that could kind of work. I mean, I think we're too far down the road, too close to the end game.
1: Yeah. But I can
0: kind of see that, like, you know, Roman or whoever gets killed. And then, or, you know, Brian gets killed. And then, like, Dom is like, this, like, I need to, like, get vengeance. Or Mia.
1: Like, I'm not trying to kill off the women, but I I could definitely see Mia or Letty going, like, really early, like, in the next movie and being like, oh, shit.
0: It's kind of like what we see, we don't see from his perspective, but, like, the Shaw brothers, right? Like, it's Deckard going, you know, getting the vengeance on Owen, right? So. Yep, exactly. It's something we haven't had, but I think would work if we didn't have, like, the 10th movie, the next, you know what I mean? Looming over us. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We get the LA aqueducts, and I was going to ask you, Do we ever get to the aqueducts in the first movie?
0: I don't think so. I mean, we don't have that much more movie left. We haven't gotten there yet.
1: I had like a really weird sense of mismemory here that like it's in every other car movie, right? Like we were talking about it when we were watching Gone in 60 Seconds. We see it here again. We were talking about it when we were talking about my favorite movie in time. It feels like somewhere that like, I think that Fast and the Furious should have been at. And I kind of like vaguely remember Brian being there, but also not. Like, do you remember if we ever do get to the aqueducts? in any of these movies?
0: I don't think so. I do want to say, and I think I've mentioned this before, that there is a documentary called Los Angeles Plays Itself, which is like this three-hour document, three-hour long documentary that I have talked about before on here that I saw in Austin. I think it was like, it took forever to come out because of all the licensing rights to show these clips, but it's basically every movie that's set in LA tells the story of Los Angeles through the movie's set in Los Angeles. And I think what you're saying is that, like, it's in so many other movies, you just, your brain inserts it into every L.A. action movie. because Because, like, yeah. whether it's a car chase or a shootout or, like, just whatever, right? Like a drug deal. Like it yeah. serves so many purposes in so many movies. So you're like, oh yeah. Like remember, like didn't Brian chase or sort of, like run away from it? Like it, you, your brain can kind of, you know, correct itself Strapolate. or incorrect itself, right? Yeah.
1: And I had to like go back and like think about the first movie when I was like watching this. Like, does he ever actually go to the aqueducts? Like I have like a like an image in my head of the Supra being in the aqueducts, and I don't know why. Right. Do they drive through it? it? Is like when he's like chasing Dom?
0: I don't. I Maybe think, I mean dude. we'll find out. It could also be in four. I don't think it's in four, but it could be in four.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if anybody else knows. I I like I have this weird memory now, and I can't I can't decide either way of what it is. So the last two fast nexions She she says something when she's looking out the window. You heard this too.
0: The woman who works at the strip club, who's like the. The, yes. the parolee he's extorting, which we'll talk about. Yeah,
1: okay. Yeah, she says something about God's eye.
0: Oh, I didn't hear that, okay.
1: Yeah, she says something, and she, like, describes the city. Like, when they're in, in her apartment, she, like, looks out the window before he, like, assaults her and says something about God's eye. And I was like, oh, shit, that's really cool.
0: Like, God's eye, not not in the technology that we're used to, right? No. But, like, just a phrase meaning, like, a watchful eye over the city or something?
1: I don't I don't remember. I, I was hoping that you would have caught it and, like, wrote down the line because like I missed like right before what she said to it but I definitely caught God's eye and was like this is really interesting one of the last things was is there's actually a bonk in this movie and I'm really happy
0: where's the bonk
1: right at the end when like he comes and Willem Dafoe like bonks him with the like a piece of wood oh, or something. Oh, the two by four. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 For like
1: this movie being so like violent and bloody and like actual like gunshots and stuff all over it, it like, when we get to the end, it's like there's a bonk in there. I was like, oh, nice. <laughs> nice touch. Yeah. I really like that. Okay. That was all my things, but I have another thought when we get to talking about the car chase. Okay. So whenever you're there.
0: Some other things that I noticed. So I, I mentioned before that Lethal Weapon, getting too old for the shit, Murtaugh about to retire. Another yeah. thing that Shane Black, who wrote that movie, Shane Black has written a bunch of like great movies. Another thing that he loves is Christmas. He always sets movies at Christmas that are not Christmas movies necessarily but like Iron Man 3 which he wrote and directed is set at Christmas this okay. movie starts on December 23rd and I'm like is this gonna be a Christmas movie and it's not like they're they they did not even mention Christmas but it's just like why would you like on a title card say December 23rd and then not have it be a Christmas like it just all right, but I was like, "Did he like? He must love this movie to take the line, pay homage, take the trope, then also take the the December setting in L.A. Because like December in L.A. looks like it could be June in L.A., right? Like it looks the same. Yeah, it so, doesn't matter, right? right? Did you notice in the credits? I don't, I don't know if I, I I might have seen him in something, but did you notice in the credits the name Robert Downey?
1: Yes, I saw it in the title card at the beginning. Go so, ahead. So
0: yeah, that's Robert Downey Jr.'s dad speaking of Iron Man. His dad yep. plays William Peterson's like. Commanding officer, he's the guy in the office who's like who said you you said the line before like you wanted the paperwork go ahead like that guy is Robert Downey
1: Jr.'s dad. That's really cool. I was trying to I was going to ask you who it was and if he was related. I assumed that it was he's Robert Downey Jr., <laughs> so I assumed it was him, but I didn't know I didn't know who to look for and like what to see. So yeah, that makes sense. That's really cool because I didn't
0: know what he looked like, and once I looked on I, on I Google imaged Robert Downey to live in Dino, L.A. and I saw that and, like I I looked at the face. and like I would never know, Like, it's not like, I'm not great with faces. My eyes don't see the connection, the, famili- the familial resemblance between father and son there. Like, I believe it, because they have the same name, and, like, it's a fact that they're father and son, but, like, I don't see it. If you're like, hey, his dad's in this movie, pick the movie. I don't, I don't know that I, I would pick, I don't know if I would know who it is, you know what I mean? Let me look.
1: Yeah, I want to look at his face real quick. Like, on a long, introspective look, if I saw them side by side, maybe I'd start to see similarities. But, like, just seeing him, I couldn't have picked him out either.
0: Right. We talked about it before, but the partner, Jim Hart, getting gunned down, he gets a shotgun to the head. Like, this is the first of many brutal deaths in this movie, where it's just like, oh, this is, like, pulpy. Like, this is a noir. This is, like, the same kind of, like, you know, hard-boiled detective story. You know, things going wrong. You can see that Nicholas Winding Refn draws a lot from this kind of thing, where it's like, The very brutal, violent, like, cop action, drama, bloodshed, whatever. But, like, seeing a guy five or ten minutes into the movie that we just saw do a heroic thing, literally get a shotgun blast to the face. It's like, oh, that's this kind of movie. Okay.
1: I know. I wasn't expecting, like, shotgun to the forehead, brains everywhere. And then he's like, just say something to me. I'm like, bro, he's done. Like, there's no there's no talking your way through that one waiting for the ambulance to show up. Like, he's way gone. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, like he, I think he gets shot, like, in the chest or whatever, and then, like, and then his partner comes out with a shotgun, or he, or Defoe comes out with a shotgun, and it's just like, oh, no, like, he's done, like, he's done, done.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Also, we have John Turturro in the counterfeiting ring, or at least getting money or doing some kind of thing. We have a scene in an airport, which we had Midnight Run as well, like, there's the arrest at the airport. This is mm-hmm. the first great foot chase, like, there's two great foot chases, and then there's the car chase, and, like, again... It's not like Ronin where there's like the car chase in the middle of the movie. You're like, well, then what? Like there's so much action throughout and like it's well-paced. Like, there's this foot chase through the airport. There's the foot chase later down the street and then like to get the, the credit card counterfeiter. Then there's the car chase and there's like the action thing at the end. Like it's all beautifully like laid out.
1: Yeah, I really like the pacing of this movie too. You said that good. It's like it's building constantly. I really yeah. enjoy it.
0: We probably have had an erect penis in the franchise, but only in You Are My Lifespan. Like we've had it in there, it did. just not you know in a movie. But there's a lot of male nudity. Like there's Willem Dafoe crouching naked in front of the fire, throwing money away, like burning the money. Like you don't yep. see anything, but like he's fully naked there. His girlfriend's fully naked, face down on the bed. Like there's like implied he's shooting
1: voyeur y videos of it.
0: Yep. they're at the sauna when like part of this movie is the cops pose as Palm Springs, you know, bigwigs or whatever to buy counterfeit money and they go to a sauna and they're all just getting naked in the locker room, like, you just see butts. Like, you don't see more dick, but, like, it's just like, there's so much male. I mean, there's... There's there's a lot of butts.
1: Yeah, there's a, there's lot, of a lot of but there's a lot of nudity. Yeah, there is. That's why I was saying that it felt very dive y to me in these senses too. I was like that that's part of the thing I was yeah. like saying to Rachel. Like, yeah, and there's like lots of like weird nudity in it, like yeah. yeah, that's why it fits.
0: In that second foot chase I wrote down, there's just a great back and forth. The guy says, "Why are you chasing me?" and he says, "Why are you running?" And he says, "Because you're chasing me, man." Like, I love that. Yes. <laughs>
1: I agree. Which yeah. I
0: mean, he he, I mean, he did. He was counterfeiting or whatever. But like again, he just, was stealing credit cards. Yeah.
1: He, he like dumps the bag of credit cards or whatever. I I did like that. I, that's what I'm saying. There's like a lot of like underrated dialogue in this movie. Like nothing that's like stand out that you're like, oh, like this is a great one liner or something like that. But just like those kind of dialogue moments, I was like chuckling a lot at the dialogue in this movie because I loved it so much. Like that, it just felt real, you know.
0: I was looking on IMDb for trip like for a quote that I could use as like the pull quote for this. And like, there's so many cool like again. Again, nothing super memorable, but there's a lot of cool quotes, and like all of them, every single quote has a swear in it. I'm just like, I don't really want to put like you know something motherfucker like as the pull quote like on the front page of our, our website, you know, or like use it on Facebook, you know what I mean? Just like every, it's just like a hard-boiled, gritty, like angry men being angry, saying mean shit to each other, or like funny shit, yeah. and just like uncensored, untamed, and it's, it's not for everyone, but it's like a very cool, gritty. Thing.
1: This is like a movie I would imagine like my dad was watching and would like have to turn off if I came into the room <laughs> as a kid. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he would be like, Oh yeah, hey, like this is a great movie and I'd like come downstairs like gets a snack or something and he'd be like, Oh shit and just like change it for a minute and then come back to it. That's yep. what it felt like to me.
0: I love John Taturo after he gets let out, he like beats the shit out of William Peterson, like when he unlocks there at the hospital and he like boxes his ears and like kicks him in the dick and like he just like he just so like the <laughs> violence like he's not a Somebody great gets physical. shot
1: in the dick in this movie too. And Rachel was yeah. like, Oh
0: right in the dick like <laughs> So okay, so the plot of this movie is that like they're trying to get the counterfeiter, and then they're gonna pose as these guys from Palm Springs, and so Defoe wants like thirty grand, and the police precinct will only okay ten grand. So they get wind through this torment you know, he let her out under on, on whatever, and he's basically like, "You're gonna give me information, and I'm going to effectively rape you whenever I want. In return, yeah. I'm not gonna send you back to prison." And like it's awful, and like she. Puts up with it because, like, what is she gonna do? But, like, free, I guess, awful later at the end of the movie we maybe possibly find out or at least it's, it's implied or it's hinted at that she knew this was a setup but they'd say that there's this guy coming in to buy stolen diamonds and he's gonna have $50,000 in a suitcase they then kidnap this guy at the train station or wherever they are yeah. and they bring him out to like the middle of nowhere and I was thinking about how inelegant them like bashing open this briefcase this locked briefcase whatever is in relation to you know Tej with the handprint in Five Mm -hmm. and like, let's do this all right. Like, let's get the handprint on the bikini bottom. Let's translate that over into this film. Let's put the thing on. Let's do the thing. Here, it's just like he's literally bashing this briefcase against a cement pillar until it opens. Yep. In there is just a phone book. It's not fifty thousand dollars. They're like, what? What the fuck is going on? This guy's handlers are then, or like backup or whatever, are up on the overpass, and this is what kicks off the car chase.
1: Are they? handlers, or are they, like...
0: Well, so we later find out that this guy thats right, undercover FBI agents. So they
1: are handlers. I thought that they were the guys that he was, like, trying to sell, give the money to, and they were coming to, like, make sure that he didn't get kidnapped so they could get the money?
0: No, I think they're just just FBI agents making sure that their agent, like, doesn't get murdered,
1: right? Yep, that's true. And
0: while these guys with a sniper rifle are trying to shoot at or scare away... I don't know if they're trying to kill or just scare away... The cops, they don't know they're cops because they're just undercover, unmarked car, whatever. They accidentally shoot and kill the undercover FBI agent. And that's what kicks off this car chase. And so, like, it's later implied that the woman maybe knew she was undercover fed and, like, wanted to get them in trouble to sort of give her a little bit of breathing room and get William Peterson off her back. We don't know if that's the case or not, but this is what kicks off the car chase. Yes. And so this is again one of the craziest facts I've ever heard about any movie.
1: I have a, I have like a thought, and I want to talk to you about it before before we get into it. Does it seem to you, and I think it's true, that like all the cars are going in the wrong direction in this car chase?
0: Yes, and that is a thing. Is that I part have of the fact? At. Okay. I have information.
1: Yes. good okay because like every time like I was watching it and I real like this is like my one gripe about the movie it really took me out of it
0: no but it was it was done intentionally it's
1: done intentionally yeah it's so strange because like every time I saw them they're driving up the left side of the highway right. yeah and driving down the right side of the highway yeah. and I'm like this isn't right Rachel like this is not right like why is it why are they going the wrong way and she's like I'm like are they going the wrong way because like then my brain starts playing with you right and you're like no no they're definitely going the wrong way okay
0: so the French connection we did before this I think I think it was like 10 or 15 years before this. Okay. Uh, has one of the all time great car chases. He's like, How do I one up myself? Essentially, right? And so he has this thing. This whole car chase feels so claustrophobic. Like, in a way that I think yes. Ronin was trying to be, but didn't do it for me. This is like, Oh, I'm terrified this entire fucking time. The camera shots, the action, the way that they're choreographing, the way they're doing the stunts and everything. It's like, this is doing it in a way that Ronan tried to do. And Ronan did a good job, but this did like a great job, I think. Yeah. So, from what I understand, not only is he going against traffic, like he's driving the wrong way down the highway with all cars coming at him, but they mirrored the highway so that it's basically like British style, right? Like you're on on the left side just to make you as like make your brain be like, oh, this is wrong and I'm even more freaked out. Like they did it on purpose to be like, this is not, I don't like this. Like this is not, I don't feel comfortable. Like it just wanted to freak you the fuck out as an audience. Whether it took you out of it, like, the fact that it was, like, weird and, like, you don't notice it at first, but it just adds to the chaos of it, like, I don't know why this feels wrong, but I know this feels wrong.
1: Yeah, see, that was the thing. Like, I think I got, like, just one step too far for it. It felt wrong, and then I was like, wait, this is actually wrong. And then, like, I'm, tr- I'm trying to figure it out, and, like, I stopped paying attention, like, as deep attention to the chase parts of it. Oh, my God. That they weren't in the car. No, that they, like, in the car, when you're, like, when you see them driving and he's, like, going up the wrong way and stuff, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, and then I get anxious, and then, like, I see the, like, long shots of the cars again, I'm like, they're going the fucking wrong way again, and, like. The
0: freeway car chase was filmed with the traffic flowing backwards when Chance and Vukovic appear to be driving against traffic. They appear to be, in fact, going the proper direction for the U.S. It's the rest of the traffic that's moving on the wrong side of the road. This was done to increase tension for the audience.
1: Yeah, that's so weird.
0: So, apparently, legendary cinematographer Robbie Mueller declined to shoot this car chase because he didn't know how he'd even begin. So instead he was replaced by second unit cameraman Robert D. Yeoman. Oh, he, he did like the Grand Budapest. Is he... Oh, he's... I think he does a lot of the Wes Anderson. Yeah, he did like Darjeeling Limited and Moonrise Kingdom and everything like that. God, like this was one of his very first movies. Jesus. And he did this whole thing. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. He did The Wizard. He did Past Midnight. He did Rushmore. Yeah, now he's kind of...
1: I love Rushmore.
0: Wes Anderson's guy. But anyway... Friedkin, the director, decided to complicate the chase during filming. He didn't want to just have one or two agents in pursuit of Chance and Vukovic, the main two cops. He said there would be men everywhere in an improbable and nightmarish scenario he described as Kafka-esque. You know Kafka, like with the Metamorphosis, where like things are like nothing. I don't, I don't know why any of this is weird the way it is. Yeah. Also, there's an episode of Breaking Bad called Kafka Ask. After losing one tail, two more cars appear. Is it the same guy? Chance asks. It's two different guys. There are cars behind them heading toward them. This is all from the Haggerty piece. Gunmen on the LA River's embankment and on the bridge. Chance and Vukovic are. Eventually, surrounded by their assailants on the street with only one way out, a freeway off-ramp, Chance takes a good long look at the wrong way and do not enter signs and says, we're going this way. It's so goddamn tense this entire time because, like... You think they get away and they're celebrating they get away. Like they're driving down this back alley and like there's trucks unloading shit and they're going like weaving mm-hmm. between cars. And he, the guy in the back seat like takes out the gun and it's just like, you better move that fucking truck, man. And they move the truck and they go and they think they escaped. And then all of a sudden they get shot at and there's the two cars and then there's guys with guns everywhere, like I was saying. And it is nine minutes of like terror. Yeah. I agree. The guy who was the stunt coordinator for this movie, a little bit biased, but he said it's the best that's ever been done with all due respect to the French Connection and Bullet. It's a different thing. Like, he learned from those things, right? Like, he learned from the late 60s, early 70s movies and just... Yeah. And also, apparently, a year after the movie came out, John Pankow, who plays the new partner, met an undercover cop at a bar who's told him that his panicking during the chase scene was a completely accurate realistic response in that situation. Just like, yeah, man, like if I was there too, like I would have been freaking out. Like you just, you, know, you try to be cool and calm under pressure, but whatever. But here's the craziest thing. This is what like blew my mind to the point where I'm like, what, what the fuck is going on? Okay. So the car chase took six weeks to shoot because it's so complicated. There's so many different setups, whatever, right? It was the last thing shot. Apparently, so that if anything happened to the principal actors, the filmmakers would at least have the bulk of their movie completed without having to replace anybody. Ugh. Basically saying, like, if they die, they die. Like, if that's some die, Ivan Drago shit, right? Like, it's just yeah. like, we hope that they don't get in a bad car accident. But, like, if they do, we got the rest of the movie done. We can still put the movie out. It's like, what the fuck? What? <laughs> yeah. I was. I read that and I'm like, this is bananas.
1: Yeah, that's a wild way to think about it. Talk about the price of a life, right? They were like, yeah.
0: I hope you don't die, but like, if you did, thanks for your service with us in the movie. Yeah. Also part of the chase, there is the train. There's a couple trains in Fast and Furious. There's the one in five where they get off the train. There's the one in one Mm -hmm. where they jump in front of the train. He again drives in front of the train here. The semi-jackknifing was something I don't think we've seen, right? Or was it?
1: We do at like the beginning of four with the iguana
0: oh maybe? yeah yeah, yeah. That the oil tanker that rolls down the hill yeah okay
1: yes yeah we see it
0: because what's interesting about it is that it, they don't actually really have to deal with the truck jackknifing it's more like the fact that that truck jackknifing He's causes like a at 20 yeah. car stop right where they have to yeah. like weave around all these different cars stop cars like yeah man oh man let's talk about the ending so like after this all they eventually get away they find out that the guy who was killed is this undercover cop and basically the walls are closing it they don't know that there's these guys but like we know it's these guys and yeah. there comes a certain point in this movie i think it was that scene where i was like there's no way that the lead character in this movie Gets survives this. there's no chance
1: I thought that he would he would probably like survive mortally But, like, he's not getting out of it. Like, he's ending up in jail, is what I thought.
0: They eventually corner Willem Dafoe and, like, his right-hand man, the guy who, like, the two of them who shot and killed the cop at the beginning of the movie, right? They're in a locker room. You know, they arrest. They put up, you know, they Mm -hmm. spread Willem Dafoe. They're, like, you know, they gun against him. Like, we're going to get you, whatever. The other guy pulls out a shotgun.
1: From a different locker, yeah. Yeah.
0: He shoots the partner in the stomach and falls down. And then he shoots William Peterson, the lead of the movie, in the face with a shotgun, killing him with like 20 minutes left in the movie and it's yep. like wait what
1: it's wild i actually had to stop and rewind it and i was like rachel who actually got shot there like i had to like stop and rewind it to make sure i was like did we just kill the lead off with 20 minutes left and we did yeah, yeah.
0: while that's happening the other guy the guy with the shotgun also gets shot and killed so then it comes down to the new partner who's not like a new cop but he's the new partner he's like you know and they make fun they not make fun of him but they point out like he's not great in the field right like he's yeah. he's in over his head he's kind of like a desk cop and like a, a field cop or whatever and so it's. Now, him chasing after Willem Dafoe, who has now killed his new partner and his new partner's old partner. And like he's on this like killing spree or whatever. And that's where they get to this warehouse where they are counterfeiting the money. And I think Willem Dafoe is like burning it to like get rid of the evidence. And then this is where, you know, they yes. have the bonk. And this is where Willem Dafoe catches on fire. And this is where the new cop shoots and kills Willem Dafoe while also getting shot. And like I thought everybody died, but he doesn't die, he survives. But like there's a moment where I'm like, oh, Everybody's going to die.
1: I thought so too, yeah.
0: What's more fucked up, because this guy survives, he then goes to the parolee informant's house and is basically like, where's the money? And she's like, I had people leaning on me. I had to spend the money. He's like, cool, you work for me now. Basically, I'm going to rape you until you give me information. And it's just like, oh, this new guy who was like, not like a a, good one,
1: but the better one, not the
0: bad one, is now just as violent, just as evil as this old partner who has been killed because he was because he was the type of cop that he was led to his death right and this new yeah. guy is just like hey we're going to do this thing right and she's like "Uh." and then like we see video of william peterson and then i'm saying like even after the credits it cut back to video of william peterson for like a second or two i'm just like I don't like, and she's like just thinking, I think you even see like William Peterson's truck outside, maybe there's like a weird i m d b factor or whatever she thinks that she's free that her assaulter, her abuser has been killed. And yet she's back where she started, or worse off, because this new monster, who's maybe even worse than the old monster, is going to keep doing the same thing. And it's like, that's even darker of an ending than everyone killed. It's like...
1: Meet the new boss, same as the old boss.
0: Exactly. One guy survives, this poor woman who, like, did some crime at some point in the past, but now is, like, the repeated victim of assault... From just because, like, these piece-of-shit corrupt cops have power, right? And it's like, oof, yeah. like, that is a bleak fucking ending.
1: It it feels very Wire-esque to me, too, right? The system isn't going to change, you know? Like, you just become a cog in the system at yeah. some point. You don't break the wheel. It was, a, it was a good ending, though. Yeah.
0: So the original script, the original ending, had Vukovic, the partner, die in the locker room shootout. At the last minute, William Friedkin and Gerald... Petrovich, I don't know that maybe may be a producer, decided to change the story having Chance die, later showing Vukovich taking on some of Chance's characteristics. Their reasoning was that no one would ever expect the hero, even an anti hero, to die before the climactic showdown. Mm-hmm. MGM was nervous about this and asked Freakin to shoot a different ending. He shot an alternate take in which Chance sits in the belly instead of the head. He shot an alternate ending where he had Chance and Vukovich being transferred to a remote station outside Anchorage, Alaska. But then nah. freaking hated this ending so much, he insisted on the original. And Jim was like, hey, can we have one where, like, maybe the hero doesn't die? And he's like, yeah, but fuck that.
1: It's so much better. It was such a better, yeah.
0: It's great. This movie is really good. Again, it's kind of like a not really a car movie, but there is that great car chase. So it doesn't kind of fit. Yeah, kind of. But also, it's one that I'm glad that we watched because I love this movie. It.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm excited with you. I'm, I'm excited to revisit it at some point again too i
0: think especially it's one of those ones where it's like like we mentioned before because it's so muddied like on purpose right because there's you never know why people are doing the things they're doing where their intentions actually lie knowing where they where they wind up you're like oh now i know why he's doing the things they do and like now you can pay more attention to different things or whatever Mm -hmm. right so agreed yeah also another uh possible connection is that they had Considered for the role of Richard Chance, the lead, Jeff Bridges, Richard Gere, and Bob Falfa himself, Harrison Ford. But then William Friedkin wanted decided that he wanted an unknown actor instead. So, Damn. imagine if you know they had Bob Falfa, Harrison Ford in the. I mean, he would have he would have been good. But I feel like there's something exciting about not not having like real back, like, especially as a new audience, like in '84 or whatever. Like not having a history with this person, like you can just like see him as a cop kind of right like it's not like oh there's han solo or there's indiana jones
1: yeah i think it worked better picking um grisham from csi slash the guy from the skulls
0: <laughs> one day kid you'll make it you're going to be in 300 episodes of csi and one movie that joe really loves
1: yeah that i love exactly
0: any other thoughts any other fast connections about to live and die in LA? lakes i think i have uh, exhausted everything it was just like no, one of those ones I... where i was like i really like this and then reading the trivia i was like oh this is crazy
1: yeah, no, that was great trivia. No, and I threw all mine in uh, as we went and stuff, so good. Cool.
0: So, what we got to do is we got to watch a trailer.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about this. Cool. I
0: almost forgot entirely, too. So, we looked on YouTube. We started doing this on the last episode. What do we do? Of oh, Smokey Demanded. Mm-hmm. Um, so, to live and die in LA, official trailer number one Willem Dafoe movie from Movie Clips Classic Trailers. It's two minutes and five seconds. So okay, I'm gonna drop the audio in out. behind, but Joe, let me know when you're ready to get going.
1: Give me a countdown.
0: Three, two, one, play. Okay.
1: MGM. Okay. Start with the helicopter. Oh, that's like ominous,
0: nauseating. Yeah, it's just like there's an aerial shot of the city and just like, like it's a way you don't normally see things, right? No.
1: And next there's an explosion. And just an explosion. <laughs>
0: Also, Willem Dafoe doesn't really look like Willem. I mean, he does. He looks, looks so like, young.
1: I agree. Yeah, yeah.
0: And his teeth aren't fucked
1: up yet. I guess not. Yeah, that might be it. I was actually wondering if he got like plastic surgery at any point to like be more Willem Dafoe looking after this movie.
0: This trailer rules.
1: Yeah, it's pretty cool. They're just like showing. Okay, now they're at the at the airport. Check make sure the bills are fake. Oh, this is a great thing too. He like parkours up the middle of the the moving walkway. Like he runs down the middle of it. I really like that. Banged, right? Masters.
0: We got finally, like halfway to the tremble, there's died. finally dialogue. You can't come yeah, up Yeah, and there was
1: um Robert Downey. You're not for yep. real. So he's to him. You're not the first again. To, get yeah. next to Masters. You're not wired, are you? <sighs> oh, he thinks he's wearing a wire. Yeah there we get okay so now we get some of the chase stuff oh we didn't talk about the sexy fun time dance party <laughs> that was happening it's true the like the weird erotic dance situation yep. that happened okay wow this trailer is really badass that jump off the thing into the under the bridge was really cool too wow so much fast so much happening jackknife trailer they're coming up on it oh yeah they're trying to make you as uncomfortable. This is awesome. great. This is I love this. It didn't really ruin the movie either.
0: No, because like you see big things, but you're like, I have no idea like that's a movie where I'm like, oh I need I don't know what that is. I need to see that.
1: Yeah, it all happened so fast and was cut so quickly that I don't think it really like destroyed anything. Wow. Wow. Good trailer. Wow. If you guys are listening up to this point and you didn't know if you'd want to watch the movie or not, just go watch a trailer. It'll yeah. let you know. Boy, if it looks boy. interesting, do it.
0: The last game we have to play: the Letterbox game. So, for comparison's sake, Mad Max: Fury Road, which I actually just read. It. it came out like a month or two ago, but there was an oral history on the making of Fury Road because, like, it was like 15 years in the making by the time they finally made it. I think it was the New York Times, maybe. If you Google "oral history of Fury Road," it can come up. It's great. Mad Max: Fury Road, essentially one of the most popular movies on Letterboxd. has been seen by 581 thousand people. To Live and Die in LA 1985, directed by William Friedkin starring William Peterson, Willem Dafoe, and John Pankow, has been seen by how many people?
1: Oh, you said criminally underseen.
0: That was the wording of something somewhere.
1: Yeah, but I I believe it. I believe it because I've never heard of this, like, even heard of it. You know what I mean? Like...
0: I think I had, but I don't know. Like, this feels like... Like, we have a a guest who's been on a bunch of uh, Cage Club and Keanu Club and stuff, like this guy Mike Flynn, who, like, this feels like his like, exactly the kind of movie... Like, if he can make... If a movie defines him... It's this. And so like I feel if anybody has said it to me it's probably him. Mike Manzi loves this movie. Austin Wolf Southern loves this movie. Okay. You know, there's there's a lot of people out there who like really adore this movie, but
1: I'm going to say I'm going to shoot low. I'm going to go 4500 higher. 6500 higher. 8500 higher.
0: Ten thousand.
1: Nineteen thousand. Damn. There's a lot. Way more than I was expecting. Yeah, but Letterbox. I get it. It's kind of a Letterboxy kind of movie. Okay, that makes sense.
0: Nineteen thousand people. This is actually ni- eighteen five sixty nine. Eighteen thousand five hundred sixty nine people have seen an average rating of three point eight. Most common rating of four. Wow. I gave it a four and a half. Mike gave it four and a half. Austin gave it five. How many people of those nineteen thousand or eighteen five whatever, put it in their top four movies of all time?
1: Um, fifteen. Way higher. Really, thirty five. Way higher. 100? Higher. Really? 200?
0: 133 people have put this in their top four movies of all time.
1: Damn. That's way more than I was expecting.
0: So I looked on those people's pages, and I found this guy Carl Existence, who has rated this or written four reviews for it maybe even more. He wrote one, I just want to end my birthday watching one of my favorite films. I love it. Parentheses, Wang Chung playing. Oh, Wang Chung, so William Friedkin intentionally said don't write it because I think they did the score or maybe they just did the theme song or whatever and he's like, don't write a song called To Live and Die in LA because he's like, it's going to be too cheesy. Don't do it and they did it and he's like, ah, fuck, I love it. (laughs)
1: Like.
0: (laughs) I just think that's very funny. A lot of these reviews are in Spanish. Okay. I've seen it many times already, but I enjoy it so much I decided to give it a rewatch. I did this time with my father, who I've told him before how awesome this movie is. He was amazed about the action and the impressive car chase, but mostly surprised by the ending. It's a cult classic. Five stars. Yeah. So Carl Existence from Mexico City. Okay. Has this in his top four. It's his number four favorite film of all time. Now, these top three are not slam dunks. But you can get all three. Okay. One from the 80s, one from the 90s, and one from the last three or four years. Okay. One from the last three or four years is very close to my heart and Mike Manzi's heart for one very specific reason.
1: Is it... Uh,
0: close to the network's heart as well.
1: Yeah. Is it going to be... Oh, fuck. The Keanu one where he plays the cop seeking vengeance. What's it called? I John Wick? No.
0: Not that one. Not a, Not a Keanu movie.
1: Is it like a Mission Impossible movie?
0: Nope. Even more OG for us than that.
1: So it's a recent Cage movie? Mm hmm. I have no idea what the recent Cage movies are. Mandy. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, it's like I horror sort of existential, great, creepy, one of Cage's best movies. Number one, his favorite movie is the original versions from the eighties. And there was a sequel that came out in the last five years that we covered on a different podcast.
1: A sequel of a movie that you and I covered specifically? No, no, no. You and we I? covered the sequel. Okay.
0: And the actor from the star of the original, a supporting character in the sequel, is a name that we have mentioned tonight in this episode. I don't know. Give me more. You drove. You drove the actor in a car.
1: Okay, so it's a Harrison Ford movie. Uh huh. Is it a um, Indiana Jones
0: movie? No that's not a terrible guess. I think
1: Blade King Runner? The Crystal
0: Skull was, Yes. The original cool. Blade Runners is his number one movie. Okay. Now, number two is a movie that I know you have seen and I'm pretty sure we have talked about and I don't know how to give this away or give you a hint without giving it away. It is... There's a French actor as the star. There is... It's not Timothy Chalamet. No. This is from the 90s. French actor in the lead. The bad guy is a um, an ancillary character in the Dark Knight universe and there is a third actor again I'm trying to be vague without just giving you like right away even yeah. though it's gonna be easy the third actor the actress the like kind of the lead actress uh, is very young in this movie and she would go on to confuse you. In a movie we covered for Boyfriend Material.
1: Okay, so it's Natalie Portman.
0: Uh Uh-huh, as a young girl.
1: As a young girl. So is it the um, Star Wars with Natalie Portman?
0: No, way younger than this. This is like five years before, four years before Phantom Menace.
1: Oh, um... French actor in the lead,
0: and a Batman guy as the main villain.
1: I don't know, what is it? Tell me.
0: Leon the Professional.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, I should have got that one.
0: Blade Runner, Leon, mandy to live and die in la it's a
1: pretty good lineup that's a good four yeah solid
0: this guy still very active on letterbox we have basically the same kind of like ratings curve like in terms of like the most common things like three and a half or four stars yeah cool the mexico city version of me carl existence well thank you carl existence
1: thank you carl existence
0: any other thoughts about to live and die in la
1: no, this is a good movie though. You should, guys should watch it, and I'm going to watch it again soon.
0: So next week, I mentioned it earlier. The movies that we are covering, or maybe I mentioned it last episode. I'm sorry. This is—it's confusing when we do two halves of two episodes. But I think I mentioned last week in the mailbag for last week that next week's movies are going to be Hobbs and Shaw, of course, yep. because that's how we do it. And then next Friday movie, one week from today, we are going to cover newest $10 patron Justin Kleinman's pick for the kicking it old school app, getting Justin under the wire. Covering 1980s The Blues Brothers.
1: I'm excited. That'll be fun. It's going
0: to be a good week next week. Hobbs it's and Shaw and the Blues Brothers.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure.
0: Basically the same movie.
1: I was going to say, like, two buddy cop movies.
0: Yeah. Two buddy cops, two cars, you know. the You know, The Blues Brothers' car is basically the Lamborghini that they're driving in Hobbs and Shaw. It's the same thing, right? McLaren. The McLaren. Yeah. Same, same car. Exactly. But for all things Too Fast, Too Forever, you go to cageclub.me, facebook.com, slash Too Fast, Too Forever, or at... Too Fast Too Forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family at cageclub.me. Check out our Patreon page at twofast2forever.com. Probably, I think we only have like two more pit stop movies this lap and I don't know that we want to bump either of them because we have a guest for one and there's a reason I want to do the other. But, okay. if you subscribe to the $10 a month tier, you get a pick per lap from now on until we have too many patrons in which case we have to rethink that. But, a pick per lap. So every lap is going to be like three-ish next year. Like starting, you know, I don't know. Time is weird. You get to pick a lap. So $10 a month, one pick per lap. Please and thank you if you want to support us over there, if you're able to do so. Thank you. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe, too. And we'll see you next time right here on Too Fast, Too Forever. Peace out. Peace out. You anus. Anus. Peace out.